<laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited to be joined here today with Chief Walt Lewis and Zach Forst. They are phenomenal, phenomenal people and assets to the field of emergency and disaster services. We've had both of them on the show before. Uh, I think most recently was Zach uh, a little while ago, maybe over almost a year now. Uh, we had uh, the chief on here. We've been doing a lot of fun things together. Over the last several months, we were promoting the readiness lab training for emergency management response for dynamic populations. It was a training certification, not a conference. We'll be talking about why that's important. But we three came together, plus some really other great people. You might have seen it on social media with uh, Pete Gaynor, former head of FEMA, former acting secretary of DHS. Colonel Chris McKinney out of Task Force 46 was there. We had a wonderful, wonderful, di diverse group of students from DHS to university campuses to hospitals, private sector. Everybody came in. And, um, you know, I, I've been calling it a moment in time for our field because we're addressing emergency management training the way it should be done. And uh, really excited for that. So without any further ado, Chief and Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, John. Yeah, happy to be back. Yeah, it's great to see you again. Just a week, but uh, it was a great week last week. It's nice to be back again. My, this is, when I see uh, you, Walt, my week's here, and then I go home, and I don't, I'm like, here, and then I'm back here again, so. Um, and then Zach, it's, it's up here, too, yeah. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> I hey, Zach, Zach got the greatest instructor award from all the students. He got he the biggest did, actually. Up, so, uh, Which is, you gotta get the yeah, see Zach. yeah. I told my wife, I was like, you know, I might be selling myself a bit shorter than I'm giving myself credit for, because I was like, I'm around some very, very, very impressive people, and the students said they liked my presentation, so. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that, um, you know, I, I have this, like, this saying that uh, I have to say the whole thing before people, like, think I'm, like, the worst, but I say I'm the best, there's no one better, but there's people as good as me, and... Uh, like I think that mentality of, uh, especially with hard work, I never want to be in a, I never want to be outpaced of hard work and um, forward thinking and doing the right things. I want to be that person. And I, I feel incredibly, incredibly grateful that I, I also had the same feeling when I was seeing the different presenters and hearing the conversations that were happening, especially when we were at, um, I think we were at Top Golf and seeing all those conversations, I was like, I'm in the I'm in the company of giants, and just to even be considered to be even around that group, uh, students included, there were some amazing, amazing students there. Um, well, I dramatically about, underperformed in Top Golf. Top Golf was uh, it, I I actually came in feeling very confident. Top Golf might have been the most challenging moment for me out of the entire event. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was perfect because if we went to an actual golf course, we would have to buy the golf course and repair it. Yeah, and that was the perfect place to go. We could be ourselves, <laughs> really connect. But it, you know, to your point, iron sharpens iron. I mean, everybody there was, uh, you know, everybody had a, a strength of their own. And uh, while they may not be highly recognized uh, to some aspects, they were absolute professionals, and they were they were great at what they did. Absolutely, one of the one of the most fun moments for me was when uh, I think they were talking. Uh, Nat Sellers was talking about evacuations at a hospital and there was a conversation about like, oh, how would you do evacuations at Walmart? We have the head of security for global operations at Walmart there. And they were just having this conversation of how hospitals and private sector and, you know, I, I think even um, uh, Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Brian Higgins joined in the conversation, talked about like how the National Guard addresses evacuations. I'd just like to see that, like see what is the same across the board? What is different? And to start understanding how we can all be using the same words and totally mean different things and, and, and recognize that as a field that we need to start using more common language. It was, it was a really fun moment just to, to be a part of that. Um, going back to Top Golf, I call it the great equalizer because I would hit it like three feet and then I look across the board and somebody else very important would hit it like seven feet. I'm like, all right. And then, you know, one of the students who was like, oh, this is like my first thing out of college, knocked it out of the park. You're like, okay, 
the great humbler, the great equalizer. I could crush it. I just couldn't hit anything if my life depended on it. I just wanted to hit it really hard, but apparently that's not how you score points in Top Golf. I just kept on cur- like once I got it down, I got it down, but it would like, like freaking bend it like freaking Beckham or something like. Yeah. Did we not tell people that this is now a golf podcast? <laughs> this is a golf. Well, we have the golf shirts, uh, Zach. This is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, was, let's talk was, about. Was, was, I was fortunate to have some strokes with Jay Shepard. He uh, he helped elevate my golf game from uh, 18 balls lost per holes. <laughs> he definitely helped. Jay is, uh, for like the audience's sake, he comes out of DHS Safety Act. He's one of the students there. And when he introduced himself, he's like, I'm former Army. Everyone was like, yeah, we saw that coming. Like He had like 30 years. He squared away. He was squared away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really nice guy. In fact, all the DHS Safety Act people were wonderful. Everybody it was awesome. Really, but yeah. It was fun because some of the DHS Safety Act people, they came from a different background, and they, they wanted to see why we were talking about attack at the stadium and how it applied to them. And to be able to, to, be able to take what we were doing and integrate it and say, hey, these two different perspectives here, how, how does this make sense? And to, to fully participate was uh, kind of cool to see as well. But in terms of the training itself, before we start talking about like too much of like the Braves game and the, the fun stuff, Zach, can you kind of frame it for us, talking about the model and why this model is so effective for emergency management? Yeah, so we really kind of did uh, a compressed qual- uh, crawl, walk, run model. Um, so the first day that people get there, which is always like, I think when you come into exercises, like there's different expectations of what people are bringing. And so if you don't sort of set the playing field early on, uh, it can be really challenging because people are either trying to play catch up the whole time or they're just lost and they don't participate. Um, so the initial approach, so day one, um, you know, in the morning, we're doing our basic instruction uh, around the, the key areas that we're going to work in and and eventually exercise in um and when we were doing those presentations that was a it was a larger group we got the chance to kind of start to see where people uh fell into line with like their experience uh and their knowledge base of it and then the afternoon so you know we eat lunch we have a cool presentation Uh, i think uh colonel mckinney was the first presentation on monday that was really interesting just about uh defense support of civil authorities disca uh, stuff and then his experience, which is again just being in the same room with someone like that. You're like, oh my gosh, the dude's done everything. Um, I think every time you talk, Zach. <laughs> I yes, I I have literally. Done, I did I did blacksmithing for a little bit. I don't even know if I told you that. Yeah, I did as an apprenticeship and a kid, as a kid. Uh, so, anyways, uh, that's just like the most obscure thing I could think of that I've done before. I've probably got more, but uh, so. The afternoon, we start to apply that. We take the stuff that they just learned, and then we had tabletops to basically like draw out uh, further their knowledge and experience in this, and to start to get them to think as a team and start to work together through these evolutions. Um, and so, my area specifically was was mass care, which I think everyone sort of actually all the areas were kind of set up really well because they're areas that people like know they have to take care of, but I don't think they ever really specifically think about it unless you're in like an ESF that's directly responsible for that role. Um, you're like, um, you know, if you're an ops or logistics, you know, you're thinking about it in like such a sort of global, you know, yeah. high level that you don't really appreciate what it takes to get it accomplished. And I think we take that for granted. Um, so, to get to sit them down and, and walk through a scenario and be like, this is a mass care scenario, you know, which is very process driven, um, you know, start to talk through this. So here's where we're at and here, you know, start to have them forecast and, and understanding this to set them up for, you know, eventually day three. So day two is the same thing. We just went through different uh, iterations to everyone. And then day three was like game time. Uh, and we were literally at a football stadium. So it was game time where people are, you know, that's where the, all the athletes are. We were the, we were the athletes that day. Um, and so the reason I think that it worked really well is that it didn't matter which level you were at. So the folks that had a ton of experience and knowledge sort of floated to the, a leadership role pretty quickly, um, which 
I think ease some folks and, and, and just like every disaster when you when you sort of start the the machine you know you're gonna have people who sort of you know uh, stratify based on their experience and knowledge um, what I think worked really well was that they couldn't get comfortable in that you know you couldn't have the same leader for for each session you, you know you had people who uh, actually knew more uh, and were just sort of afraid to maybe step up or say something and then once they sort of felt out the room and understood and, and as us facilitators recognizing that we could then kind of move the pieces a little bit to elevate them up and give them a chance to be leaders um, and then at the end of the day like I think it was through the second session on the on the exercise I went over and talked to you and I was just like you feel the the hum like there's just this people are starting to like to get it and they're starting to connect um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was, I think, it, I think that model is, makes perfect sense. Uh, I think that model is hard to do with a lot of traditional training, um, because people are so hung up on, in fact, I was on a LinkedIn conversation today about someone who just ran an HSEEP, uh, exercise mm -hmm. and they, they did all this really cool stuff. They did all the paperwork. They had everything lined up for, you know, to be HSEEP compliant. And then when the exercise happened, like all of the HSEEP requirements kind of went out the window and everyone was like yeah that's the issue right <laughs> like you can build this really good compliant exercise uh but you pigeonhole yourself into um into you know focusing on specific core areas or core capabilities and mission areas versus like the holistic approach which is sort of a what we were going for but i don't want to bogart the whole conversation but that is like that's sort of what i think re worked really well i think that's we're, we're only kind of scratching the surface of it. Uh, you know, uh, I think when we apply it to different areas, you're going to see that this is going to continue to evolve and get stronger and we're going to add more cool stuff. Uh, but like, I think the, the image we kept showing is like, we wanted to get here, which is not going to translate on camera very well. Uh, we thought, you know, best case scenario, we might hit it, uh, but there's just so much that we had to, to make happen to make that happen. Uh, but then we actually hit here. And we know next time we're going to hit here. And uh, so we exceeded our expectations. And I think maybe more so the students exceeded our expectations because you just don't know. That's the that's like the, the variable that's so difficult when you're designing an exercise. The exercise went really well. The design was great. Injects were great. Uh, we had all the cool stuff. Um, but if the students don't sort of like match that, it's either our failure because we didn't recognize that ahead of time, like how we were trying to set it up, or we, we sort of didn't uh, give them the tools they needed to accomplish it. But instead, uh, it was like, oh my gosh, we're not challenging them enough. Like we get to, we get to actually like throw in some things that we we're keeping in our back pocket and uh, just see them like take off. Um, so it was just, it was awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed it as a, as a facilitator. I enjoyed it as an instructor. Uh, and frankly, like I enjoyed it as a student. Like I was there learning uh, as well. You know, I got to just again, have like Chief, you know, Lewis here, um, Steve Johnson, just these uh, just brilliant minds that, uh, you know, we're all kind of looking around the room to see how things are going, you know, uh, Chief's coming over and handing me an inject and being like, go call this person, you know, they don't know that you're gonna, you're gonna call them, use a different voice. And, you know, just to kind of, you know, spin, spin them up a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, you're, I mean, your, your levels there. I mean, I, I don't know if you can see this on the screen. I'm going to try as low as I possibly can. This is, <laughs> oh, it's true. There's an audio version of this as well that people are going to yeah, completely yeah. miss so, out. <laughs> so at the very bottom here is your basic, like what we know of in emergency management training. Or I would call that death by PowerPoint training. Yeah. It's necessary. The information can be valuable, but the the outcomes are really are, are not. And it's because people don't get to really practice it. They had 80 slides in a session and that's not a stretch of the imagination, like literally 80 slides and you lunch and then go 80 other, other more slides. And it's like the worst. And the, the test is a joke. So that's like what we're all used to. Then there's some other groups who have tried to improve on that. And that's like, again, you can't really see my hand, but I, I, I raised it like a half a millimeter. And then you look at what this does and it's like at the top of the screen here. And when you say top of the service, comparatively, we freaking like, put some dynamite in that freaking mountain <laughs> however like it shows like the quality of instructors because even though we did something that I, I truly think has never been done in emergency management before and, and including our approach we we all immediately were like how can i dig in so much more what can i do more here to push them 
And it also shows from the student perspective, to your point, man, they, they wanted more. They want to be challenged. Emergency managers want to be pushed. They're passionate people, and they're not given the opportunities enough in training to be pushed to their limit. They don't really know what their limit is, and they want to figure out what that is. And uh, we gave them some insane injects, and yet they were like, give us more. They wanted to fail so they could play the fail option. And that was like... It was like a parental love at that point. I was like so proud of them for like wanting to, to take that on. But moving over to the chief here, your perspective, and, and, and to Zach's credit, he brought up uh, you know uh, Steve Johnson as well. It was important to have instructors that were not emergency managers, but understand the, the importance of emergency management. As a district fire chief, working with emergency managers, what what really got you excited about this and what were some of your takeaways of like emergency managers need to need to do this if they want to work better with fire when fire shows up on scene? So uh, the, the, the whole arena gave me a great aspect to be able to take back to my organization and if nothing else, share with my people, but I'm certainly going to spread to the larger audience as much as I can. But to come from the response side to give to the emergency managers to let them know that some of the res- some of the actions that they're putting to use are going to be very effective. And some other things are, are great ideas that just probably shouldn't get as much attention. They aren't going to be as fruitful as they hope, or they're going to be so demanding that they're not going to be as productive as maybe some other concepts. Uh, so I, I like the tie-in on the non-EMs to be able to be in the room to help tie it all together. Uh, definitely having Steve there with his military background and experience and all of his elements and also his humor. To, I, I can spend all day, you know, humor, yeah. <laughs> you know, I might pay for him to come back next time just so I can hang out. But uh, Steve, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. So as far <laughs> I'm not going to pay for you to come out. <laughs> no, he, he, he was great. But, but, you know, part of it, I think a lot of it, a lot of the uh, credit should go to the students because we weren't teaching people any brand new concepts. Most of everybody that came in the room had emergency management background. There were quite a few youthful folks uh, like Michaela and Jason. Uh, you know, they were they were pretty brand new in the position, but very enthusiastic, very intelligent, and very amenable to putting their talents to use. So while we had some very seasoned people that could easily apply their talents and then share with the other students, everybody has a lot of strengths. So from my side of things, to be able to apply what I learned through my education, through, and I always praise my two EMs I work with, Manny Soto and uh, April Taylor, so name dropping. But for their uh, time they've spent with me and and members of my organization to educate us to be a benefit to them, uh, that enabled me to stand in the room with a little bit of confidence to help those EMs gain what I could offer from the the fire side, from Surfside, from Hurricane Michael, from Pulse, from the different aspects where the Hurricane Irma, so many of the aspects where the EOC was stood up and applied and truly did the job it should do. And uh, a lot of those folks don't aren't recognized. You know, the EM for Surfside, uh, all the background work that they provided to help make sure that our personnel could dig through that pile to help hopefully find any rest uh, victims. Sadly, of course not. But all the work that they did, they were just as energetic to help make that happen. And those are the type of people that need to be on the front lines, that need to be in the emergency operations centers so that this country, so this region, so this state can always be served the best possible by the responders and everybody responsible to take care of the citizenry. So, and and this avenue allowed those people to be tested. And like you said, they were challenged. They wanted the, the more challenging scenario. Nobody, the only thing anybody wanted was food and maybe a little bit cooler of a room. (laughs) <laughs> but other than that, they wanted the challenge. They didn't come there to sit there and just take a couple notes and, and, and waste their time. They wanted to be really challenged and put to the test. And uh, not everybody performed at the level they wanted to. But when you have time compressed decision making with limited information that you're going to do your very best and then realize afterward you could have done this and that a little better, of course. And that's life in general. But for that room right there, they did walk out of there knowing they could do their job better more confident and with a broader spectrum of the six topics we talked about, but also how their efforts support what's truly happening out in the world. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. 
How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Okay, let's jump back in. The um, great call-outs there on all the way around. There was this moment, um, I think it was on day two, uh, we had a student named Gavin from uh, Clark County, Indiana. Great kid. He was like, I just want the training piece to be a whole week. And then he did the exercise. And for, for the audience perspective, the room that we were given, there was a power outage issue, like a real world power outage issue. So it was 80 degrees in there. And um, at least that's what they claimed. So we'll, we'll get from there. But he thought it was an inject. And he was like, I don't know if it was the heat that was annoying me or like the people in the room. But he's like, man, that was pretty real world. He's like, I could do this exercise for several days. And, um, you know, funny enough, he was exhausted after that six hours, you know, let alone like, you know, full ops period. But it shows that like, uh, uh, you know, when we, when we say like showing up is half the battle, it's the same thing I'm putting on this kind of training. Having the right instructors is half the battle and then the other half is the students. And everything else works out. If you have the right people in place to do, who, who are passionate, who want to learn, Every single emergency manager in there who had either zero experience up to several years walked out of there better. And I was more confident in our field just by saying, okay, these people came from all over the U.S. If something happens in, in one of their neck of the woods, and hopefully it doesn't, right? But if it does, they've already started working through these mission assignments and, and they can take their knowledge of ICS and they can take their, hopefully their new newfound uh, understanding of stakeholder involvement and and go and apply. Uh, I was actually talking to Joe Hernandez yesterday, which uh, we all know he's been on the show multiple times. And we were talking about this concept. And I said, what an opportunity to have Chief Lewis there because in Orlando, you have amusement parks. If again, worst day happens and something happens in an amusement park and you show up on scene, if the emergency manager is competent, you're gonna wanna work with them because you've seen that in the, in the exercise now. And if they're not competent, you know you have to move forward and politely push them out of the way. Like that's, you have to still do your job. And yet emergency managers through this course can learn to say, I want to be integrated with that incident commander who's gonna show up. I want to be integrated with, with these different groups and help assist. If, you know, the, the example I gave to Joe Hernandez was, if you see 10 people screaming in pain on your right, you're gonna run right you might not know around the corner on left, there's a thousand people there needing help. The emergency manager should have that situational awareness for their site and say, hey, 10 people, yes, sir, important. There's a thousand people over there. And uh, that time is incredibly, incredibly important. And um, it's no discredit to tacticians. You, you have a problem to solve. It's not your job to to do literally everything. There has to be a hub there, and we want emergency managers to get up to that level. And I think it's okay to say as a field, we're still in our infancy, and we want to, like, what will it take to get up to that next level? And I'm pretty confident. I think we accomplished that in this training, although I, I still think pretty exciting stuff is to come, right? Yeah, I think the challenge for a lot of emergency managers is they don't know when to get involved. Um, and so that can be really hard for them. So having the room filled with, we had a, we had a lot of tacticians there. We had police officers and uh, deputy sheriffs, uh, security folks, uh, the chief yeah. military. So we had, a, we had a good diverse group of folks there to sort of bounce ideas off of. So the emergency manager that maybe doesn't have the, uh, you know, they go back home and, and their shop doesn't let them go to the small, because I'll, I'll, I'll make a pitch here. Nothing drives me more crazy than when emergency managers like we never get to open our EOC, we never get to do anything. And I'm like, so you have no emergencies in your community that you can work on? None at all. You don't have house fires? Because I guarantee if you as an emergency manager in a in a small town, 
talk to your fire chief and say, hey, uh, during a fire, what can I do? They're going to say, uh, well, we almost always have a shelter situation. We almost always have a, a feeding situation for our folks, a canteen problem. Uh, we probably have cooling issues. We're going to need a spot for rehab. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to be working interagency because we've got the water department that needs to be involved. Uh, there could be power equipment. I, I need to focus on the building that's burning and my folks that are inside there. I get distracted by all that other stuff. If I can hand that off to a competent emergency manager or logistician, whatever you want to do, I'm going to do that. And, and as you build that skill, then you scale up, right? So we did that in a very short period of time. It started off with like, they had like individual, so uh, again, that, that final exercise, everyone was so task saturated initially, and they all just wanted to do stuff. And you could sort of see the first responders and the folks that are like, you know, take charge, get in and solve the, the problem directly in front of them. That's what they wanted to do. And then the emergency managers kind of sat back, like maybe a little bit timidly, trying to feel out the room and understand where they would step in and where their role was. Um, Thankfully, because I think, well, some of it was facilitation, like all of us, you know, who have a lot of experience and have been there could kind of come in and be like, you know, start thinking about this stuff. Like, here's where we're at. Yeah, there's fires all over. There's chemicals. There's blah, blah, blah. Um, that's not your problem. That's the fire department's problem. Your problem is uh, we are minutes into this incident. What happens next? Uh, where is this going? How is it evolving? what can you forecast out ahead? Because they're focused on putting out the fire right now, uh, but you need to think about the water supply. Uh, you know, you need to think about the, the sheltering. You need to think about the decontamination. Like they're gonna carry it out ultimately, but they're gonna need stuff and they're gonna need people and they're gonna need resources. And if you can go up to the, the, you know, the, the chief and say, hey, uh, you know, I, I know where you're going with this. Uh, can we start making those resource requests now? Because now the town next door is also dealing with this and we're gonna start to get resource scarce and we wanna start to coordinate and prioritize and triage. Triage was like a term we used throughout the entire thing, like, you know, start to triage this stuff. So, um, but I think having those folks in the same room and having to solve the problems at the same time, it gave the first responders to, to the, the recognition of, oh, this is how an EOC works. So when I'm just asking for a bunch of stuff and arbitrarily ordering, you know, trinkets instead of uh, capabilities, um, now I can start to figure out like, oh, I, I can't tell them I need a, a tanker because a tanker in California is an aircraft and a tanker in the South is a, you know, giant water trucker. It's called a tender somewhere else. So uh, I need to ask for this. And then the folks in the EOC can see, oh, when I'm sitting on my, you know, when I'm going through the, the EMAC process and it feels like it's taking forever and, the, you know, the, the, incident commander screaming at me to get this stuff, uh, it's because they have the fire directly in front of them. It's just understanding the different roles and, and perspectives. I think that's the strength. The other thing that got discussed, I think throughout, and it was something that everybody uh, brought up at some point was the fact that they could talk during the exercise, <laughs> uh, that they were able to share stories uh, and you know sort of share their knowledge base and you know, someone, and I'm not going to call out where, where they were discussing, but they said, you know, they were at a, a recent training and it was discouraged to talk about, you know, talk amongst themselves on how they would, you know, resolve stuff or work on something the that sidebar. was really like yeah. follow the curriculum. Those sidebar conversations, they can be so annoying. I hate story time. I was a firefighter for a long time. Uh, firefighters have lots of stories. You know, they could sit in a tailboard and talk all day. The chief um, is like twitching over here. <laughs> oh, he knows. He knows. Like, I'm preaching to the choir here. So yeah. when you what, so there's there's those types of sidebar conversations where you're just recollecting, talking about the good old times. Then there's the sidebar conversations where it's like, oh, I went through this and it didn't work out, or I didn't know what to do, and I've got you know Chief Lewis here to say like, hey, so I'm going through this in this exercise. You know, here's what I think I would do. Uh, what do you think? And Chief Lewis can go, yeah, I lived it. I went through that. So here's what I did. It's not necessarily the right thing. This is what I did. And then I'll caveat that with like afterwards when I got back, this is what I thought about. Here's what I probably would have done. And um, all of a sudden now you're like, like, so now you've got the information. We had the curriculum, right, that we were following. We had the student make a decision. We have the expert or subject matter expert there to provide context as well as like either this worked or this didn't work. Here's how to think about that. That I think is something, again, on top of the crawl, walk, run model uh, that set this apart. And like, 
you know, I'm not even like trying to gas this up or anything here. Like this is something that like I've been through so many trainings and there's been some good trainings. And there's been some bad trainings. This was a very, very good training. Just objectively, I felt like I was gaining a lot out of it. I could see the students evolving through it. And it was those things where it was like constructive discussions, uh, facilitating the things. So don't, you know, uh, for the exercise, you know, how many exercise we've been through they're just going through the measles checking out the boxes as they're going down and doing their injects uh, but no one's there to say like why was this inject important why am i being tossed this is it even important that was one thing that was cool is we threw in injects that were just complete red herrings i mean of course a lot of exercises do that but when students Don't you know they're like they want to act on line. it yeah <laughs> when you've got when you have a student who wants to act on it and you go why why are you doing this and you know not trying to call them out, but just being like, what, what's your thought process on this? And they go, well, this just happened. Yeah, lots of stuff are happening. We're in a disaster. There's going to be so many things that are like, you have to start prioritizing here. You know, this is Joe Schmo wants his mail at the end of his driveway. That's not a crisis problem. Like this is something that we're, we're you know, it would be great. Let's help them out. Let's help your community out if you can. But let's put that on this list of like nice to do's, not uh, have to do's. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, like just the stream. I mean, I got a stream of thought here. I've been going over this for now for the, you know, however many days. It feels like it was yesterday and it also feels like it was six months ago. Uh, it was just my, it was, uh, it was a, it was a really, really good experience. Uh, and I can't wait to do it again and, and see what the next group has. Um, but yeah, just, it was, it was wild. The next group has, um, uh, like, Several people from Major League Baseball going to be there. That's going to be really fun to see how they tackle it. Chief, what what are your thoughts? So uh, one thing I want to be clear, I, you know, put out there is I, I really appreciate the compliments that I'm that I'm given from the students, from you guys, and all. But I'm a subject matter expert. There are so many more in my field. I just had the blessing to be able to work with you guys and be a part of this. So there are a lot of talented. <laughs> there are a lot of talented individuals that could who could uh, provide a lot of good insight. Uh, I'm fortunate to be associated to a lot of good people and to be able to share that. And I appreciate to be a part of this group. Uh, but the elements of the, the exercise were realistic. Um, the students were given the respective challenges commensurate to their level. And the exercise, I mean, to give Ashley so, some great props on the injects that she created with, uh, there were plenty in there that were required their attention. And there was plenty others that were good, great distractions. Uh, one of my favorite scenarios was I sat down and I handed out three bubblegum pieces of attraction and the guys picked them up. One was uh, two ambulances got in a crash on the way to the hospital or uh, a fender bender as they were leaving to go to the hospital. And they just shrugged their shoulder like, not us, you know, and moved on. That's it, it's absolutely a distraction. But when you're in that panic mindset, when you're being distracted easily, you could start going into that rabbit hole and start solving that problem, calling mechanics at not your level, not your level, and go dial them back to emergency management. But uh, to a point that you made earlier, Zach, is, you know, I think emergency management, especially more of my exposure that comes, our EMs are grossly underutilized. So uh, for that simple house fire, maybe in a smaller community, perhaps they could be pulled into action, especially if they're available for use to help field those phone calls or create elements that support the operation. When that house fire is now a 15 acre brush fire and threatening several homes, they're de they definitely really should consider getting engaged when it's starting to hit the triple digit number acreage and the whole community is being affected. They, they need to be in the office and have lots of friends there helping support the operation. And if they're not, those are key elements where they should be advertising their value because they, they're there for a reason. And if it's just a box to be checked, they're, then they're grossly underserving their community. Um, some agencies just don't, don't need that support because they've got the resources. But if that's a resource that's untapped and the agency is underutilizing their resources, that's one that can help fulfill the gaps and show the need and show the support and pull in and align resources that need to come together that otherwise are getting individual phone calls. And, and there's a plenty of silos out there. That's a great place. That's a great pasture. There's very few silos, so that, that and that's the way it should be. It should be a lot of connectivity and collaboration, like what's often discussed in almost every podcast is uh, 
you know, we shouldn't be meeting at the disaster and exchanging business cards. Certainly, even those smaller elements, if the opportunity's there of calling a couple of those folks. Now, maybe from the EOC, they don't need to call Red Cross on behalf. At fire scenes, when we have citizens that are displaced, I've come to the habit, instead of contacting my comm center to have them contact Red Cross and create a, uh, a network chain, I put them, I put the citizens that are displaced directly in contact with the Red Cross representative and let them work it out. Because once I've left, uh, I'm going to slow things down if they're still trying to get a hold of me to get in touch with the citizen. And I, I don't want to do that to the citizen. I want the citizen to be able to get the services they need quickly. So just those little things. But if they can help expedite and work through those on the smaller scale, every time they operate, when the tornado hits town, when the train derails, when the hurricane comes along, they're, they're, they're practiced, maybe on a smaller scale, but they played a bunch of minor league games so that when they went to the World Series, they were comfortable being in there and able to operate. And they showed their mayor, their commissioners, their fire chiefs, their police chiefs, everybody that they have an audience for their value and why that needs to be better supported, if not financially. And that, and that I see the biggest inhibitors, maybe some of the folks, I don't have the money. Yeah, there's never enough. There's never enough money. There's no money in any business that's enough. Uh, <laughs> even the lottery doesn't make enough money, right? So uh, for the EMs, if the opportunity exists, uh, sometimes it's initiative. And that's where they need to trade off the finances for the initiative. Maybe if they could flex their hours or do something else that can make it compatible to be in that seat. And if nothing else, if they're in the office by themselves, jot down what they would do. Here's the scenario. Here it's getting bigger. The what ifs. How would I play this out? And then they do their own version of training. And how many of those EMs are connecting with other EMs in the region to do self-evaluations or to compare each other or put their own skills to the test and challenging each, each other? And, and I do this in the fire service. I do this in the USAR world of trying to align like minds. In the tech search group, uh, we would contact tech search members of other teams and have them put on a skills drill. We would drive to their location. They would host us. We'd show up and operate like it was a real scene. And then we would do the same thing for them after lunch, high five, and at least nothing else. We should exchange business cards then before the disaster came back home. EMs could be doing the same thing with having their own small scale exercise. Nobody has enough money, but if I set up a something on a Wednesday where, hey, here's my disaster, uh, I mimic some stuff, here's some of my plans, I invite some friends to come over and I pay 50 bucks for Chick-fil-A or Mission Barbecue, somebody a host of food, and they bring in the food, and then everybody comes in and picks apart some of my plans and points out what they've got lined up and the collaboration is improved, what kind of strengthening that you just create? Well, and you could hear you could hear folks talking about, oh, I would have called this person and that person, you know, during the incident or, yeah, we work with them. You know, uh, I encourage everyone like when they get back to to call those people and, and do this and talk through the scenario. Like, you know, not every you know, we had a certain number of seats and uh, so not everyone gets to attend this. But that doesn't mean you don't go back and share the lessons learned and stuff. And I, I don't know if any, you know, maybe some of the, the major cities, but almost no one's got a full EOC staff. Right. So why don't we do mutual aid? I never understood why emergency managers don't even have like local mutual aid agreements. Uh, I'm sure there are some out there, so they're going to call me out on this. But, um, you know, have those relationships uh, in place ahead of time um, so that you you can do that and do the training and come back and talk about this stuff. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was really cool, so uh, at the end of the event, a lot of people were also saying like just, they would have signed up just for the networking ability uh, because they shared the business card now and they've got the contact. And I don't think anyone said like, don't, don't reach out to me when we're done, you know, like leave me alone. Everyone's like, oh, call me up and I want to uh, I want to talk about, you know, I, you just built an EOC, you said. So I want to, like, learn about, you know, what what lessons learned did you come? How did you fund it? That type of stuff. Um, you know, the the physical like the the uh, Jedediah from, you know, Walmart having sure. him in your back pocket to say, hey, you know, I know you're your Walmart's guy, uh, but I own or my, you know, my town has a bunch of small shops uh, that are owned by like a independent grocer and they're really struggling with physical security and continuity stuff. Do you have any tips to just get them started? And, you know, they're going to like, yeah, of course, like here's, here's some basics that you can do. So um, in, in that stuff alone, and then again, working with like the tacticians and stuff, uh, you had value just in that beyond what they were learning. But yeah. I told, uh, 
Sorry, I John. told everybody that, uh, and, I, and I've been preaching this pretty hard since then, as we've been t following up with either friends who've come or friends who aren't able to come. And I, and I truly mean this. If it was your last meal or this training, you should have come to this training. One, we fed you. <laughs> yeah. But two, the, the network. Very well, by the way. Like, seriously, like, just like, we had. Pete Gaynor. We had Pete Gaynor. Pete Gaynor was there. I still can't believe it. It was so fun because, you know, when is the last time that Pete Gaynor gets to, to be able to, to drop his guard a little bit and actually participate as a student, participate as, as he was there. And so it was great for him to say, like, oh, hey, like, I'm always so high level that this is great for me to see, like, like a, what the, the crowd is doing at the same Back time. Back to his Providence roots. Yes. And, and at the same time, from the emergency managers who... Uh, haven't had a lot of response experience to see a decision maker actually making a decision like, oh, like that's how you do it right. And, and not just guessing. We guess so much. And so, uh, yes, we are putting on the training again. Yes, we're going to try to do this quarterly. Yes, we're going to do lots of good stuff. Yes, it is the most immersive training and emergency management out there. And yes, we, we're all, already going to improve. Um, and yet... Uh, so proud of Ashley, who's our CEO, who organized this. So proud of the instructors and so, so proud and grateful for the students who we had several students to Walt's comment. They had taken personal time. Some had gotten uh, had come with no paid leave. They came on literally their own dime. We had instructors do that. Everybody said, OK, like we're going to do this right. Our company, you know, we we had this price online. We get questions like, who's funding it? Nobody else is funding it. We didn't want to be held back by anything. If we were going to create the perfect EM training, what is that going to look like? We want to be in the locations. We want to do team building the way team building should, should happen. I had this fun moment with the planning team when they were, like, talking about uh, team building. I said, guys, we're private sector. We don't do crappy team building. Let's go to Top Golf. You know, like let's go to a Braves game and immerse ourselves in a stadium because we're talking about stadiums. Like let's actually do that. And to, well, and not to, to mention, it, as we're sitting in the stadium, we have people that are experts in this talk. You know, as as all nerds do, when you get into your environment, you start talking about what you know. And so, yes. uh, what was the first thing that happened? They had a, a uh, evacuation video. And everyone started critiquing it and was like, this taking is awesome. Yeah, taking pictures and videos and stuff. Like, yeah, it was awesome. That, that was one of the nerdiest moments of uh, yeah. the dream. But I, I'm, either way, like taking it back to that, that moment here and kind of as a wrap up, like we wanted to create next level emergency management training and something that nobody else has either tackled or been able to tackle or they're so focused on getting their grant and doing their basic training that's kind of the nicest way you can say it they're not willing or able to to go there we went there and we proved that it's des desirable for the field and not only once we got in there kind of wrapping this whole thing up the students wanted even more they loved it but they were like you know as using my terminology from the back in the training course like they wanted a mountain to climb they wanted to to, to be able to do that I've had conversations with the students afterwards who were like, man, in my location, I don't get a lot of response experience. Now I want to figure out if I can either volunteer or do some other stuff just so I can get on uh, response experiences. And um, to, to that comment that was made to me, I was like, well, I always have this problem that when I hang out with a firefighter, I'm like, should I become a volunteer firefighter? <laughs> hang out with the military, I was like, oh, maybe I should become a reservist. But at the end of the day, I stay in emergency management because there's value in emergency management. And as we push this field to Pete Gaynor's credit to the next to the, the third phase, what we're calling the next level, you know, more integration. We need emergency managers who can handle the stress of a response. The most scary thing that we're dealing with in real world right now is that in Philadelphia, Zach and I saw the slide, the DOD is talking about the reality that oceans mean nothing anymore. We could live in a real world with real world problems, man-made problems in US soil, and as military needs to do what they do best, 
how do we help out civilians and do what we do best? And um, we, we want to be able to um, clear the debris out of the way of first responders so that they can do what they do best. Everybody working in concert with one another in, in saving and sustaining life, protecting life, whether that's in shelters, whether it's helping them get through, you know, access and functional needs to, to be saved, reunification, whatever it may be, we can help. And that's the greatest pitch about all of this. So excited for what's coming up in December to do this in the actual Brave Stadium for three days with the MLB, with DOD and a, and a bunch of other friends who are going to join us. Um, we're pretty excited for, for what's to come. I will leave it both with uh, Zach and then Walt for, for the final comments. Yeah, we're 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 gonna change training. We're gonna make this. We're gonna change training. We're gonna change exercising. Uh, we're gonna build on the foundation of your ICS experience. We're gonna build on the foundation of FEMA training. But our goal is not to sit and watch. Like we're gonna break barriers. We're gonna try things that are gonna challenge people in ways they've never been challenged before. Um, and we're going to, we're going to ruin training and exercise for them when they get back home. Uh, this is it. Like, this is going to be it. This is where everyone's going to want to go to, uh, and we're going to be the ones leading the way and, and the students are, are going to be the ones that are, that are ultimately changing it. But, but we're, we're building the foundation here and, uh, I'm, I'm just pumped. And I got to hang out with Chief Lewis, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I got to hang out with Chief Lewis. He was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Man, every compliment's twenty bucks. I'm gonna be broke here. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'd be remiss when not, uh, you know, like like you guys. You know, I appreciate the compliments, but like like you mentioned, we have a lot of high level players and the other instructors, the ones that couldn't make it today. You know, Stephen Johnson, Eddie Bertolo, Brad Pierce, Matt Sellers. You know, all their contributions, everything. Ashley Golden and even her husband coming by, Nick. You know, just their engagement and what they provided to help make the scenarios. Uh, Everything all is about realism. So the closer we can be in the fire service world, police, military, whatever it is, the closer it is to the actual environment, the better we're going to understand how we need to perform when the day comes. And if we don't, some of those are going to be training scars that we have to climb over or, or cure before we can truly function. So to have the key level players like we did, the scenario that we did at the location we did, to go to the Brave Stadium in December, I'm excited about that, to go that even better uh engagement to improve on what we're doing now uh I'm, I'm excited for um and to have people like colonel mckinney and pete gainer being a part of this to to bring it another perspective of an executive level uh on down to the to the beginner level of where some of the new ems were in, in the room and show that exactly that like zach you talked about is here some of these high level decision makers and they can offer their insights so that if nothing else, peer to peer, you understand you're on the right path and that you are thinking the right way. So th this offers a lot of opportunity and I'm excited to be a part of it because you're absolutely right. This, this is not like any other skills or drills that have been a part of in the past. There've been many other exercises that have been very grandiose. Uh, airports do their triannual and they employ a lot of physicality to it but it is ultimately resource dependent on how many victims you can get show up, how many Cub Scouts or Explorers or drama students. And, and, and you're sometimes limited and then you also have to handicap it and then create training scars because you're just limited. Whereas this has a very high ceiling and capability. And uh, I appreciate it for that realism. If nothing else, it'll help me help make my community safer so that my family, and that's everything, my personal investment, I'm very selfish. Everything I do is for the benefit of my family so that I have a greater chance of coming home to them and they have a greater chance of surviving any incident that may impact them. And if it benefits everybody else in the community, I'm very gra uh, grateful to serve that as well. But uh, I think we got a great thing going and I look forward to the future. Can you do a mic drop on a uh, podcast mic? They don't really fall, but uh, that was kind of <laughs> uh, I don't know drop. what our podcast mic budget is, so it's uh... yeah, mic. I'll do it. I'll do hey, a um, there you for, go. for everybody. Yeah, thank you, Zach, and thank you, Chief, for for joining me today and talking about this inaugural event of uh, next level emergency management training. We are going to create next level emergency management. Check that out. Keep keep looking at us as we do that with the readinesslab.com. You can check out how those are coming out. 
I'm excited to already announce that Ken Graham, the director of the National Weather Service, will be joining us as one of our special presenters. He's a phenomenal guy. He was just on this podcast. And Joe Hernandez, who's been on the show a couple times, legend in USAR, who's, who's, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. The real deal. Kind of the yeah. running joke. The real deal. Week. Yeah, we weren't supposed to say that, remember? The real deal. Or quotes. Um, seriously, though, like, people he is that... the real deal. He is the real deal. Every All of our instructors are, the presenters are, this opportunity to have face time and to learn from not 5,000 people in a crowd hearing a presentation. They get, they, they go away and nobody really like has that opportunity to just have those sidebar conversations, but three full days of interaction uh, with students, with instructors going home and saying, I'm going to tackle this mountain. And a, as we do that, um, we're, we're going to do great things. Uh, I should also, we'd be remiss if we didn't say also, so we had Everbridge as one of our sponsors. They let us use their platform throughout it. We used it for the exercise. That was awesome. So again, uh, for the sponsors, they got direct access to decision makers and people who are using the system. So they got to see how the system was used live. So if you're a sponsor who's interested, and then L3 Harris, another longtime sponsor of this podcast, um, also sponsored, they sponsored events, they sponsored meals, and then they had uh, representatives there. L3 Harris actually sent their crisis manager uh, for the entire time, which was awesome. Rachel, she was yeah, great. Rachel, she's great. Um, she's phenomenal, and, yeah. and we got to see their the brand new radios. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she was the, the last episode. Um, so they got to bring, they brought their radios. So like, you know, they got to, we got to see this stuff. Um, and I know in the future, we're looking at like uh, applying that even more. So taking uh, these technologies and integrating it as well, because you can't be next gen if you're not preparing for the infrastructure as well. So we're 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 next gen minds right now, uh, but we got to have some next gen uh, partners uh, as well. Instinct and um, yeah, yes. Oh yeah, Instinct Ready gave us these awesome go bags. I'm so pumped. Do you know how hard it is to tell an emergency manager you've reinvented the go bag? That's very yeah. hard to do, and yet they had these beautiful compact go bags that were in the office and working with Doberman experts to be able to create that. It was fun for everybody to open up. So Plus Wesley was like the biggest hype man I've ever met in my <laughs> life. Everyone that met him was like, yeah. I am, I'm ready to like, you could, you could change the uh, temperature in the room. Like it was like, it was warm. When Wesley started getting us fired up, we're like, it's not hot enough. Like, let's get this. Let's I'm like ready to go, man. I, I'm pumped. So yeah, Wesley was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so again, Everbridge, L3 Harris, Instinct Ready, all those uh, all those companies who came out and allowed us, gave us the budget to be able to do the things that we wanted to do. Uh, Doberman, I, I technically I was a sponsor. We're going to call Doberman out because you know that's where the planning came in. So uh, big thanks to all of our sponsors and um, big thanks for the students and again and instructors. And we're excited to have. Uh, Ken Graham and uh, Joe Hernandez uh, join us at the next one along with everybody else. So make sure you check that out and uh, we'll see you for the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.